podcast. Oh, great. All right. You're going to do great. Just pocket it. All the podcast. Um, yeah, Kyle asked me if I was fine with the podcast, and I said yes, because that's just what you're supposed to say. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'll, I can do Winterfest in 12,000 people or sing with 15 people singing a group this big in no big deal but you say podcast and i forget my name i think 15 people so do it, so, so uh <laughs> so my name is brecian there we go let me just get that out there i'm just saying that so that it for myself um this one gather yeah the sunday mornings uh are, are crazy they're crazy good though it's my favorite favorite day of the week so I'm thankful I'm at a church where they, they allow me to travel and to do things, but I really, I really prefer not to be gone on Sundays. If I can make it back Saturday night, it's really my choice to do that. But uh, they do give me Sundays that I can be away to, um, to lead and do retreats and conferences and youth rallies and things, and, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, thankful for that for a lot of different reasons. I, I get paid for a lot of those t- things too, and that's neat. But, uh, but I represent, number one, when I go to those places, God and Christ and my own faith in him but i also represent this church as well and i'm very proud to when i go to those places to talk about my home here and um so so i love being here on sundays that's that's what that was for it is a crazy morning you can ask michael back there in the back so but when it gets started we've got two words this morning and we're gonna get to those here in a second two words that i don't think were picked randomly for me no no no? Uh, I think that's unfair then. We should have picked random and I just, no, I'm just kidding. These are probably, I have a lot of, there, there's a lot of great words for worship. I have one of them tattooed on my body, proskuneo, but that's actually in the New Testament. And it's used about 68, 69 times in the New Testament for worship. And there's a cool meaning behind it too, but that's not what we're talking about this morning. So, but we will get to those words here in just a second. I wanted to open up with kind of just what led me to be, to, not just to be here at Highland, but I guess my worldview, I called it my worship worldview. Yeah, man, too much for me to think about here. Co- no, I, I think I can do it. It'll help lead me. So <laughs> here we go. Okay, we're, we're past that too. Let's see here. Oh, that's what I called it. My worship worldview, my paradigm, my life experience. And my very first, my earliest, really vivid memories of life are, well, my my dad was not always a strong believer. And he, his, um, a friend of his, whom you would all know his name if I said it, asked him if he would go to Bible college with him. My dad probably was like, I got, this is on, isn't it? probably had some words that were not words that you would say to somebody asking you to go to Bible college. And, um, but he, he told me he remembers that night. I was, I was little. I was in diapers then, and uh, my sister was three or four, and he remembers sitting down and saying out loud, and I think he even said with his eyes open, he's like, God, Keith wants me to, to go to Bible college, and I'm not sure what that's about, but if but if for some reason that's in your will, okay, make that happen. Well, he was a, a, a tool, he was a draft and design engineer for a tool company. And not months later, he had quit that job and moved to Williamstown, West Virginia to go to Bible college. And um, 
So it was obviously in God's plan. But my earliest memories of life are when he started preaching. Because um, I don't remember the story he tells about sitting in Bible class. And one day the professor walks over to the window and he sees this little, this young boy running around in just a diaper in this field out next to the school, like a diaper only, in the grass, frolicking. Not sure if I was frolicking, but that was me. And, um, and, and it, it changed his life, and it changed my life forever. Because the memories I have are of my father's sermons. I don't remember the music. I don't remember the singing. I don't remember who led. But I remember sitting on the front row or that front pew and only being, I was in the 80s, so I was young, five six years old and being completely present for some reason I, I guess I looked up to my dad I love my father so a lot of us do and and I remember crying when he cried being excited when he got excited not fully understanding everything he talked about obviously but being there and being connected to him in a way that it's really hard to explain i just remember because my dad i got my personality from my mom if you can believe it my dad was pretty reserved pretty calm until he stepped on stage and then he turned into a completely different person uh stage pulpit whatever you want got up behind the pulpit but um my mom is the that has the outward the she's an extrovert if you've ever met her she probably kissed you the first time she met you because that's just what she does so I got that part from my mom but from my dad I remember from a very early age him being very passionate and just pouring his heart and soul and everything into every single sermon uh, I was nine years old we're gonna that that's a long time ago so we need to move forward when the acapella company was started and and that, that was in the 80s, so it was a long time ago. And I remember that changing my life because it was part of my family. A lot of people don't know that Keith Lancaster, who started the acapella company and still leads, is my uncle. It is my mom's youngest brother. She's the only girl. So it's kind of in the family. I, I watched him. Um, but the acapella company started, and, and, and that music, uh, someone said it. I remember she was, it was, uh, it was at my buddy's funeral a few weeks ago. The music that insulated our lives, and it insulated my life. I thought, man, what an amazing phrase. Um, it, 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 oh, it, it changed me forever. But it was my first taste of, of, of music and, and, and God in my very, very young faith at the time. Um, I realized then that I loved music, loved music, and at that time there was very few, mu very little music that I listened to. It's pretty funny. I listened to the acapella company, old, old, old acapella stuff, and even when it was just Keith and a guy named Ronnie Britt, and they just did. It was just the two of them, and they sang, and I could sing you those songs backwards and forwards. So could probably Wooly John back there, but I remember that's when my love for music and my connection to that was made at such a, uh, an early age. And, um, and it, it was never separated from my faith. That's what I just want to put out there. I listened to acapella, and I listened to Michael Jackson. <laughs> Not here to debate, you know, that, whether we should still listen to that, whatever. But it's strange. And my parents would make me, and I will not do that here, there will be no videos of it, they would make me dance because I could dance like him. And so people would come over, and my parents were like, they would turn on my favorite song, which would remain nameless, and, uh, and I would dance, like Michael. Uh, 
No, uh, pro- my, my favorite record of his was, was Bad. Okay. So my favorite song was his, not an easy one to dance to. It's Liberian Girl, but that's, that's beside the point. No one's going to know that song. So, uh, huh? I, I could then. Yeah, I can't now. But, uh, okay, so moving forward. Sorry, that's why I don't teach. Um, <laughs> um, it, it was all connected for me. I could never compartmentalize. I could never separate. My, my grandfather, moving forward here, was his name. It's got the greatest name ever, Durant LaRue Lancaster. But we call him Bitsy. I'm not sure why. That was even on his license plate, B-I-T-S-I-E, Bitsy. But he was very animated and very, had a huge personality. And I just remember falling in love with that guy. Obviously, the very first time I, can, I, can, I remember him. So I don't know what age that was, but he loved the Lord. He actually fronted all the money to start the acapella company. These are things that most people don't know, and I'm just sharing these with y'all. But fronted all the money for Keith, his son, his youngest son, to start this thing called the acapella company that has changed so many people's lives and our brotherhood's life, our brethren's life. But I remember him, and what I remember most about him is anytime music started, no matter what it was, he moved, he danced. And even to the day where he could barely move at Paris Chapel, where my dad preached there in Paris, Tennessee, we had a recliner for my grandfather, like a lazy boy that he could sit back. And he had a walker. But when we sang, he stood up with his walker and he was, whatever he could physically do, he would do. And so those are the memories that I have. Um, Oh, yeah, I mentioned Paris Chapel. And daydreaming in high school about Sunday mornings. Because the people that led there were folks from acapella, name names that probably no one knows, but George Pendergrass and Gary Moyers, Keith, um, Jerome Williams, Wayburn Dean, all these people that were unbelievable vocalists, some of the greatest vocalists that really walked the planet. Um, I got to sit and watch them lead worship. And so I absorbed that, I absorbed that. And we're all products of our environment. And so that's what I would sit in high school with my little skinny Bibles about this big, because I had to carry that because I was scared to death. I'd been homeschooled up to high school. That's another story. But finally went to high school, and I carried that Bible in my pocket. And I remember the one minute of, of, of silence. I don't know if you're old enough that y'all did that, but we did that. And man, me praying, Lord, just get me through this day. But I would daydream about Sunday morning because of the worship, because of the passion. Because not only because my dad was going to preach and bring the word and man, I just ate up every second of that. But because then I knew I loved music and I connected to that. And there was dynamic leaders. I mentioned those. Um, And my, my reasoning very early on for when people saw me, because I, 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 I've always moved when music came on, no matter what. I love all kinds of music. I discovered later in the, in the 80s uh, R&B music, and I loved New Edition, loved Ralph Tresman, loved Freddie Jackson. Look, y'all don't, y'all don't have any idea who all these people are, but uh, all of it was very emotional for me, and I couldn't really separate. I can't, I, I just, I don't know. I guess I learned it from my family. I can't tell you, but I couldn't compartmentalize, and I couldn't say, well, I, this music rests over here, and this music rests over here. Because I remember one time I was driving between here and Jackson years ago, and I had an Usher CD in my car, my little Honda. I had some Inkies on that thing. It was a cool little car. But, um, but it, I was listening to a song, and I was like, what am I listening to? And I remember 
ejecting it, rolling my right window down and just throwing it, probably not the smartest thing to do, out the window because I, I processed all those things and I couldn't, I just couldn't separate um, really anything from my faith. I couldn't compartmentalize it. Um, and, but my reasoning very on was Matthew 18, 3, have the heart of a child. And what's the first thing that happens when you turn music on and there's a kid in a room? What's he do? She. You know, what? they move. They move. And are they completely 100% innocent? Absolutely. It's just, it's, just an, it's, just, um, it's just a reaction to what is happening, which is something beautiful that the Lord made music. And so from, I would always say, look, I did it as a kid. It's just in me. It's who I am. And it's going to be part of me forever. Then I remember just growing up, and oh my gosh, this is why I don't teach. This was supposed to take like five minutes. I remember when, my, when faith became my own. And what my, my, who, my father, whom I talk about a lot, man, when he, what he instilled in me, I, I wish I could bottle it up and sell it because it's priceless. And he wasn't the greatest singer. He sang and he led, and man, he would lead loud. Um, and thankfully, he could actually hold a tune, but he was not a great singer. So I'm not sure how me and my sisters, because I'm, I'm about the last in the four of us of three sisters, and they are all amazing vocalists. One of my youngest, who's the shyest, has the greatest voice of all, and she just is so quiet and will barely sing. But, um, but I remember when my faith became my own, and I just everything kind of came together, and music was just a part of that. I had a hard time separating because there was music that I loved that wasn't God-honoring, and it really, 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 I struggle with that every single day, and I still do. Because what we put in our, in our ears, in our hearts, and in our minds, it affects us. It affects us. I don't care what you say, but as a, if you're not parents yet, don't believe that lie that they can listen to and watch whatever they want to watch, and it doesn't affect them because it's a lie. It is not true. It affects us in ways. All right, so moving on, and this is going to be quicker. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. We're going to watch the video. Think about these two, two words. All right, we're live again, and, uh, man, I pressed the arrow too quickly i was going to set up that video so nicely and everything um to to take us to those words of worship uh for posture because i remember i think i was around 11 the first time i was i was asked to lead worship and it was really i think it was it was really my parents idea and actually they put me on an airplane and to to go lead in another city and um and when it's and, and that, that was a moment where, um, I don't know, it kind of all, it, it, it all began for me as far as incorporating my, my love for music, my very, very, that, that seed of faith that had been instilled in my heart by my parents. And my, I, I loved love songs, and I still do. It drives my wife and my son crazy. Um, and I love the slower, the sappier, the better but that's because it, it engaged my heart. It engaged my heart. And so all those things came together. E- even then, at, at, I, th- I think I was around 11 years old. And I was, way, I was way too young to be on an airplane by myself. But um, it, how, how do I say it? 
because I love music, because I love the Lord, because I loved all of these things and, and was taught to just everything in life, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a recipe. You put it all together and then it, it just kind of stews. And that's just that, that aroma, that scent, that hopefully that good flavor. It, it's just, it's all together and you can't separate, you can't take the salt back out and the pepper back out. And so for me, it was my first experience with my right hand and my heating my hairless leg because that's a, and that's on tape now but because I've done that so long right here and that my muscle there is like it's the biggest muscle I have so um, uh, and and I did this for some I used to do this all the time thankfully I stopped that but <laughs> I've always incorporated everything in my body too so we're gonna we're gonna uh, recap this real quick and move forward um, Hopefully, let's see here. All right, Yada, Hebrew word for praise is found throughout the Old Testament, especially in the book of Psalms. We find it being used whenever God moved, I love this, among his people, whether it was by a miraculous deliverance and uh, an answer to prayer or whenever God revealed himself through revelation. And when I was doing my graduate work at Liberty in, in worship, I had to write a, just a short little, what does worship mean to you? Anyone could have written this, but this is, this is what came out. Worship is our response to the revelation of God's glory, goodness, and grace in our lives. But it's, it's so simple, but that's exactly what it is. It is our acknowledgement of who God is. It's the reason we even are drawn to Him, because we see who He is. He created the world. We find out who <laughs> Jesus is, that He was God in the flesh, and He came. Why did He come? Well, he came for me. Why did He come for me? Well, he came because he loved me. Well, what did he do while he was here? Well, not only did he love the people, and he served the people, and he washed the people's feet, but what did he do? He died for the people. So it just, it just keeps, there's so many levels that just draw me closer and closer to God. And so my worship, my outward, my actions, because I can, because I have hands that work, and legs that work, and a voice that works, and a body that works, it, it's my response my hands, my whatever it is, that, but that, that's who I am. But I do read that in the Word right here, <laughs> not only in the Old Testament too, but in the New. In the first instance in Scripture where Bar uh, Barak is translated as praise is in Judges 5.2. Barak is the physical act of kneeling in worship. And I love this. Barak is not the word for prayer. That's a different word. But kneeling, actual kneeling was a sign, the action of worship was a sign of worship. I mean, the action of kneeling was a sign of worship. To bow down and honor to God in this way, it would, it would be, did I go? There we go. Would be um, the equivalent of kneeling before a king or a ruler. The bending of the knee in itself is the act of humbling oneself before the one who is deemed worthy. I love that. You know, there's, there's moments in life that where that demands some sort of response you know if i do that what are you going to say what, what is that i'm about to propose you know but there, there's there's thousands of moments in life that demand some sport some sort of action or physical response and worship <laughs> is the first and really the most important <laughs> So how, how can this help us in worship? It's important for us to recognize that we are physical beings. I really don't think we have to, man, I'm gonna click. Am I there? Yeah, okay. I don't, I don't really feel like we'd have to talk about that very long. And the reason being, we are physical beings. We know that. 
for other reasons besides worship. We're physical beings, you know, because we care what we look like and we care how we walk and how we look and all these things like that. And our outward actions impact our inward spirit. Does that make sense? Our actions, we know that because we hear a lot about, you know, who we should be and how we should act and react in the Word um, and how that exemplifies Christ. Man, there's, there's so many ways that we could talk about that, and most of them lead back to, um, you know, physical things, everything physical. When you say the word physical, <laughs> it makes you think about sexual things. And it, and, it, and it shouldn't, but that's what it does. That's what it does because that's the world we live in. So we are physical people. Our physical and spiritual parts are connected in such a way that our actions change, our hearts, and our emotions absolutely can affect our actions. Right? Our physical and spiritual parts are all connected in such a way that our actions change our hearts and our emotions can affect our actions. It's like him talking about do something different, raise your hands, do this, do this, do this, or actually just sing for the first time, (laughs) you know? Just do something because understanding who God is, knowing who God is, oh, I keep going, Um, from everywhere that, I mean, we could spend a lot of time finding all the examples in the Word about how when people realized who the Lord was or He had done something in their life, it demanded a response. And the response, 99% of the time, was worship that came out in a lot of different ways. You know, worship has evolved from, 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 from Genesis. You know, thankfully we no longer sacrifice animals. That would be weird and gross. Um, so it's evolved and it's continuing to evolve because we serve a creative God. But it's always involved, not just, not just the insides, but our body, a response. Abraham's response was what? Obedience. You know, that was, that was worship. That was worship. All right, I wanted to, to, to read this because giving up, giving everything to God, uh, laying your life down, uh, you're going to hear the sermon here in a second, and just dying to yourself it's, it's what we're called to do as believers. And uh, let's see, you've got in um, 2 Chronicles 20, 20 through 22, early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa as they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of, of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for His love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise the Lord, uh, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. This is a great story, Jehoshaphat. There's a a lot of backstory to this, but um, he was afraid consulted the Lord's people, and they said, what should we do? We should worship. So what did they do? I heard a preacher say they put the skinny jeans on the front lines. (laughs) And I was like, yes, yes, that's where, that's absolutely, that's so so funny. (laughs) Put the skinny jeans on the front lines. And 
the Levites, they were willing to give up their lives for God. And their, what their ability was, was to worship the Lord. And he, they were put on the front lines. And God won the battle for them. Because not only were they willing to say, I love you, God, and willing to sing it in a, um, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a in a temple or somewhere, but they were willing to put themselves in harm's way on the front lines, and that's what changed the battle. It, it takes commitment. It takes, it takes everything. It takes your life. You've got to be willing to give everything. Um, and then another one, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Um, that, that's the New International Version, and I love the message. Check this out. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. So, <clears throat> excuse me. It's, it's, it's our job to come into the presence of the Lord and seek him. And not just come standing back with no expectation, with nothing to give. From, the very, er from very early on, you know, worship was giving. Giving of your first fruits. Giving of, you know, the, the healthiest lamb. Or, you know, the, the, the best product, produce that you could give. Um, and it, it, it asks something of us. And not just... To show up in a building and stand there stoic and act like none of this matters because it absolutely does and the more that we seek him the more we will find him and I realize that because I tell you that all the time the, the more that I'm able to be in the presence of the Lord through these opportunities of worship the more I am completely changed and it allows me to come back here and just continue after 11 years, 500 and something times of leading with the same people to feel fresh and new and alive. Because God, when you place yourself in his presence and you actually seek him and you give something and you're dynamic about it and not static, he will change your life. He will change your life. Um, moving on, I want to read, read something else. Is all this making sense? Okay. <laughs> it all stems from those, those two words for me. We'll get back to that. Uh, Mark 12, 28, and 30. Got a few minutes. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Loving the Lord with all your heart and all your soul means I worship God by expressing my affection to Him. It makes me think about the song Beautiful One. Beautiful One I love. And I remember a guy telling me one day, he said, that, that's just not a manly song. I said, well, you know what? It's probably not, but I knew this guy, and I love this guy. I said, you know, get over it, because listen to the words. Think about who you're singing to when you sing the song. 
put yourself in a place to where the Lord can speak to you and you can respond to Him. And, and I, I don't know. I, I love love songs and I love connecting and I love thinking about my wife in a strange way. All those broken, my, all those broken hearts I had before my wife, they mattered and it, and it shaped me and formed me. And I look back on those in, this, in a healthy way, strangely. Um, and my son asked, why does it hurt? Does it, it's, you're not physically broken. I said, son, just wait one day. Just one day. It will feel like your heart is physically broken. I'm not looking forward to that for you, but one day it will. But um, God wants that from you. He wants your heart. He wants men and women. It's easier for women to come and connect most, mostly. But for, for, for men, I just want to encourage you to try that, to try and put yourself and forget all that and not be ashamed of showing your heart and opening your heart. Um, all right. So all your mind uh, means I worship God by fo- focusing my attention on Him. means being present. means setting your phone down, which I know is hard for so many of us, and not just being present with your body, but being present with your heart and your mind and your soul. Everything, everything. And, you know, I say don't leave your cares and burdens outside. You bring them in. You place them at the feet of Jesus. That you know, sounds so cheesy, but it's true. You bring, if, you, if you don't feel like being there, still show up. Show up. Say, God, I don't want to be here today. So you know what? Be like, make me. Do it. Do something. And I promise you, he will. But you have to first be willing to focus your attention on God. Okay? And then, with all your strength means I worship God by using my abilities for God. And look, I'm sitting here in a room where I know most of you, and I'm really close to Kyle and Anna, and I'm so thankful for that. And I have told them so many times how grateful I am for the way that I see the Lord working in their lives, and not just in this place and how they pour out their lives into this place and into you and into this class, but into everything that they do. And they want their life to be completely consumed by Christ. And, and, and I, I know we wane and I know we fall short and we sin and all those things. I get that. But what I witness when I see you, and I see you a lot. I don't just see you in this place. I stop by your office unannounced and unexpected and uninvited. And, uh, <laughs> but, but not unwelcome. But not unwelcome. Thank you. And, um, and, and, and I see how they have not compartmentalized. They, have not, they cannot separate their love for the Lord with their business, with the way they treat people, the way they love each other, the way they love their children, and the way they use their abilities. But it's not just out here. Number one, it should first be when we all come together and we're in the presence of the Lord, the manifest presence of the Lord, which is different than just being alone. (laughs) There's a difference when we come together and there's more than two or three gathered. He shows up in a way that you can't explain. You can't explain because the people are there. They're ready to yada and barak and proskuneo and all other forms of worship, not just with their hearts and their minds, but with their body. And I love the, man, the arms outstretched. I'm not a sports guy. I, I used to not be. Um, but yeah, if you know me now, I love real football, <laughs> European football. And um and I can't watch one sitting down, and it drives my family crazy. Well, normally they just leave the room because they don't want to see it anyways. Puts my wife to sleep. But I can't watch it sitting down because when something happens, and actually I'm doing this the whole time, and I don't know it because I'm like, kick it, 
you know? And, and, and when something happens, you better believe there's, if, if Tottenham scores, whoo! But, and my wife said one time, she said, you know what? You get that excited about two things, soccer and Jesus. I said, okay. I said, that's, I'll take that, as long as one's above the other. <laughs> but it, it, he deserves everything that we have to give. Oh, man, we're almost out of time. I hope I haven't bored you today. Um, so, moving forward. We are all wired differently, but we're wired with the same materials and, for the most part, the same processing abilities. I'm not a doctor. I know I'm talking to a lot of smart people. And I know we're different. I know we have different personalities. I know we have different worldviews, different paradigms. We all come from different places. But God made us all the same in His image to be able to process who He is in a way to where we can have a relationship with Him, fall in love with Him, and it change our lives forever. And that's the same for all of us. And there are very few things in life that do not warrant an emotional response. Can I get an amen? You know? I mean, I get road rage. And I have to pray about that because I'm not like Christ when I get angry. And my wife reminds me of that a lot. I said that on tape, didn't I? Um, so, but, but there's very few things that happen in life that don't warrant some sort of emotional response. How do we disconnect our emotions when we enter a church building or enter a time of worship? I put this on there for y'all. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, here we go. Man, I keep forgetting. I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I want to be able to say this in front of 600 people and 300 people, but I, the very first thing I learned as in, in doing my master's in worship ministry, you cannot berate people into doing something that you want them to do, and you cannot make them feel bad. But I just don't get it. <laughs> you know, there's a preacher that said, our stadiums on Saturday night look more like psalms than our church services do on Sunday morning. <laughs> Because we get excited when something good happens. We lament when there's a bad call. Our heart, we are absolutely pouring onto the field of something that absolutely, positively does not matter in the scheme of life. You know what I'm saying? So I don't get it. How when we enter a church building or a time of worship do we completely disconnect our emotions? Answer me. How do we? Michael, do you know? I don't know, man. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Woo! This is why I don't speak too, man. I don't preach. I don't preach. It's time to go. All right. <laughs> God is the one that created our emotions and the one who allows us to feel or respond to anything in life. It began with Him. It will end with Him. It should be about Him in the middle. But somehow... We show up at a church building and we take our heart and we like set it out and leave it in the car. I, I don't, and, and believe me, I get it. I know we can't all respond the same. We're not all going to dance. Most people shouldn't dance. Not because it's wrong, but just because it'd be wrong if you did it. Uh, <laughs> but somehow we have been trained to think actions with our body or emotional responses are not relevant in that space, in that space, and in this space. And again, I just don't get it. God wants passionate all-in worshipers who are capable of worshiping God with all your heart, soul, and strength. 
And what is keeping you from fulfilling that command? Do you have the ability to do this? Do you have the ability to to put a smile on your face so that your brain and your heart are connecting and it's telling your face that, hey, you actually care and you actually understand what's taking place? You actually understand what God has done for you? (laughs) And that Christ came to this world for you and died for you? It demands some sort of emotional response. And to me, Barak and Yada, that's nothing. I mean, if I could, actually, when I get to worship at a lot of places, when I, did, when I was doing my master's, um, uh, I'm not trying to drop that a lot because that doesn't, I, d- I didn't think I'd go to college at all, so I'm thankful that I made it through. But um, I would be in a room with 120 people from all different countries, and when the music started, everyone, I mean, there was people running around the room. There were people, like, I go, wow, this is how everyone feels when they watch me. <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is awesome. <laughs> and uh, uh, because I was the only Church Christ kid in that room of 120. And, and, it, and it changed my life because it encouraged me so much that, number one, I'm not crazy. And number two, it, 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 we cannot compartmentalize. We have to connect them. And whatever that comes out, I believe, is going to come out. But it has to be sincere. Um, so, all right. I didn't really get to touch on those two words as much as I wanted to. But that's, uh, there's one more thing I want to show, and I know some of you got to get kids. But I just think about where you are. Think about when you worship, when you're in your office, when you're in the car, when you're focused on Christ, and, a, and what kind of emotional response that warrants from you. And if it most, just your heart, just your mind, your hands, your body, whatever it may be, your tears, your brokenness. Um, because I see all of us in here, and we have some in this building that cannot physically dance. But where is your heart? Where is your heart? Because you have the strength to do that. Here's what I mean. I think we all have had the experience of being somewhere in our body where our heart is not. 